0: Right, who does it every few years? Sometimes I see kids who are in. Past productions, you know? At the supermarket working in stores in town. Older now. girl seems healthy enough in her attitude, good for her. She, she's protesting too much, it turns out. We've all been there. Where? Protesting too much how okay everything is. That's, that's why I like road trips. It's good to remind yourself the world's larger than the inside of your own head, you know?
1: The Brain, a time and bullshit factory. That's why I like road trips. It's good to remind yourself the world's larger than the inside of your own head. From Biology of Kundalini by Jana Dixon Unless a psychotherapist or shaman has been on the journey to the void and back and has detached from the mythic mind, they will not be able to help you navigate your own maze, but instead will tend to reinforce your story. I suspect that only someone who has had a Kundalini awakening and has been on the death rebirth, heaven hell journey. And has succeeded in pulling their witnessing eye beyond the symbolic nature of the mind, can really help another through the self birthing process. Yes, only those who have understood the abstract nature of how their brain works can help others get out of this abstraction. It is the same brain that creates the abstraction. Until we fully enter the abyss, we remain a mere conditioned being who cannot penetrate the veil of Maya and its matrix of symbols. There is a reason why all esoteric traditions speak of this descent into the underworld, of exploring one's own functioning. Introspection is the key. I am concerned that many people are popping within a mythological interpretation without even knowing that it is Kundalini they are experiencing. I met a young girl who was looking for a shaman to cure her of a watery alien walk in spirit. I told her it was Kundalini, it was her spirit that was incarnating and that she was causing herself secondary psychosomatic damage and escalating her suffering by adopting a pathological interpretation of what is a natural process. More clearly, our brain imagines itself as a character, that's the trigger part, and where humans get lost. To speak of an ego as ridiculous, the brain imagines a subject an action and a place, it must be understood that these three things are one but this brain which is delirious and puts itself in scene, it is us. Thus those who have awakened have cried out, There is no awakening, for there is no subject that awakens. Everything is internal and takes place in the brain. Another example to show how this brain is permanently delusional, if we take the sentence, if we consciously incarnate or witness our presence, this sentence represents as if two different persons existed. A subject, we, and an action, incarnate. The nature of esotericism is non-dualistic. Non-duality. No otherness. All this little merry-go-round of situations takes place within us in the brain. The brain is a factory for manufacturing time by going into the abstract. Ideas look so real that humans end up lost in them and kill each other for them. Crazy. Humans are what sounds really funny too when you talk about being in a post-enlightenment period, which historically has probably killed more people in millions if you compare it to before that period. But we're enlightened and very bright, they say. This proves that humans are not going in the right way, as simpletons like to, imagine, themselves. Again a brain caught in a spiral of ideas disconnected from reality. And if people needed another indicator, then this collective madness of a virus killing, only the most fragile, shows it. Alia Riactor the die has been cast, the fate of the human being is sealed. Neither mechanization nor collective education has changed these promises made by religious priests. Man goes and runs towards his abyss, his extinction. And I would say, as an amateur biologist, that this is a good thing. An unsuitable species must not survive, in an ecosystem, it endangers the other species, and must disappear quickly which nature does without delay. So consciousness is, to define it, these three things, a subject and action a place, but all this takes place in the brain. No
0: brain, no consciousness. Mike, consciousness, this inner feeling of, of personhood, of seeing things, experiencing and know what things feel like and sound like, not, not just a behavioral thing but an internal thing that I can't describe to any, anyone else is so important in, in, in what makes us ourselves. Philosophers are all over this question, right. but as a brain scientist, what, what can you say about why this feeling is so baffling?
2: Uh, well, uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to get to, I'm awake, therefore I am, right? Or we can say, I'm anesthetized, therefore I'm not, right? <laughs> uh, you can study it from, from, a, from a lot of directions, and you can study conditions in which I know the consciousness are there, I've generated the qualia, and I can say, what Phenomena. What parallel phenomena do I see in the brain mm-hmm. that could account for this? So I can develop various correlative arguments. And if you look at the history of the of approaches to this issue by neuroscientists, that's what they do. They say, when when you're conscious, this is happening. When you're not, it's not. This is consciousness. Well, this is this is thin gruel, right? This yeah. is not really right. this is not really a, a well meated soup, you know. <laughs> this is not satisfying. Yeah. So. But part of it also is a misunderstanding, I think, of what is consciousness, to my mind, from a neurological perspective. There is the epiphenomena, the sort of cumulative qualia that represents the essence of you, the essence of me. And then there's the person, the person that has a million nuances that come from where your brain is been, that shape and color how you react, how you feel. It's not that you don't feel like a human. It's not that you don't react like every other human on some level but you're incredibly nuanced by where your brain has been. And all of that coloring is is grown in your brain. And it's grown in your brain in a a personal evolution that's occurred within your head during your lifetime. So in that sense, when you think of that being that's there in in their incredibly complex, nuanced nature, that's a product of of your plastic brain. And it comes from an incredibly powerful level of self-reference as the brain is organizing its activities in the history of your brain. So, you know, I can understand that. I can understand how all of that coloring, all of that shading, all of those little subtle alterations have occurred, not not in detail. No one is understandable in detail, in every detail. It's too complicated because it comes from billions and billions and billions of moments of self-reference that are variously important or unimportant or in the shadows.
0: And these build up to become the essence of what we feel is, is a simple unity of consciousness.
2: You go to a bar every day and you associate the familiarity of your tavern with you and they become part of you. You carry a baby around with you for, for three or four uh, years as you nurse them or care and nurture them. They're literally embodied in your consciousness because they're referenced to you. And, they're, and their contact to you as referenced to you. And they become part of you. They're part of your consciousness. They're part of the person that you are. They're part of the new, way it's nuanced. And in fact, they're attached to you because they're a part of you forever. Right? In the same way that you're attached to your, your tribe. In the same way that you're attached, attached to your house. Gee, I don't want to leave this. In the way that you're attached to your car, your dog, you know? I mean, all of these things grow together and grow into be a part of you because they're powerfully self-referenced
0: to you.